Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and we want to be among the first to wish you a very happy Thanksgiving, which is when this episode is coming out. We hope everybody had a safe and happy Thanksgiving, which we talked about on Monday's episode, but happy Thanksgiving today. Happy Black Friday shopping tomorrow for those who partake in it. Make sure you're safe all throughout. Enjoy the family time. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the turkey, but we do have an episode for you today. Listen, we're not going to talk about last night's game against Calgary because pull behind the curtain here. We're recording this before that happened. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a quick interview with Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network. Always great insight. Always great to have him on. Always great music talk, which is what we usually get into around the end of it. Uh, But we will have that interview with Brian Metzer coming up in just a few moments. And then we are going to give our predictions for the Penguins games this weekend against the Philadelphia Flyers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. But before we get into that, Horwath, I got to ask you really quickly before we send it over to Metz. Favorite Thanksgiving side, not turkey, well, side. Listen, it's hard to just pick. It's always hard to pick just one, is it not? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to just say my favorite is easily probably the stuffing, but then I'm going to throw this in there. When it comes to the cranberries, I'm a fan of the jellied. Mm, I'm a fan really? of just the log that rolls out of the can of ocean spray and just <laughs> slaps on the plate. That is my stuff. I know I will... I will die on that hill. I don't care. I think that's um, a lot of people think it's gross, but I'm partial to that over just the regular full cranberries still in the can. Uh, so yeah, that's just me though. Give me the log. Give you the cranberry log. Okay. Well, I'm not gonna go with either of those two options. I actually don't like either of those two options, but to each their own. Uh, I'm I'm a plain person, meat and potatoes kind of guy. So mm-hmm. I'm going with mashed potatoes. You know, mashed potatoes and gravy. I know it's not like purely a Thanksgiving food. But uh, I will eat it any day of the week, and I will eat multiple, multiple helpings uh, of that. And are you a mac and cheese type person? Like, is there mac and cheese at your Thanksgiving dinners usually? So growing up, there never was. Mm. Um, But as I started uh, dating Megan and spending Thanksgivings with her, it kind of got pushed into it a little Mm. bit uh, because her mom makes – it's not mac and cheese, but it's like a noodle dish. So kind of, sort of. Traditionally, though, I don't – it's a no for me but i can see where people get it uh yeah i think my like growing up my uh family's thanksgivings were always just traditional nonsense mm-hmm. just the, just the same stuff i'm also anti-ham on thanksgiving 
That's and ham's me. a Christmas dish. Exactly. Exactly. You can't wait a month? Like, come on now. No, the tree's already up, remember? Oh, that's right. That's right. You can't You can't wait a month because it's already Christmas season. Uh, it's Christmas season once Halloween ends. <sighs> <laughs> At least that's when uh, it starts for most people. But no, I, I don't <laughs> think that I also missed you throwing in that Randy Jackson quote. But um, yeah, no, when it's... Uh, you said it's a no from me. Oh, uh, I was like, what are you talking about? I know you're, you're giving me a weird face. So I was like, I got to say it because if not, you're just going to be thinking about that the entire rest of this recording. Yep. But no, um, as far as mac and cheese, the same thing as mashed potatoes. Listen, I can eat it any other time of the year. It's not really a Thanksgiving food to me. But if you got it on the table, I'm going to eat yeah. it. Yeah, I'm not going to say no. I'm just saying it's not that it hasn't been part of the part of the cuisine for me. Yeah, well, we're going to have to ask Metz that. I think we did ask Metz that. So listen to Brian Metzer's answer on that and several other things surrounding the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, We'll be back right after this break with Brian Metzer. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We teased it in the first segment, and here we are with Brian Metzer, host for the Penguins Radio Network. You can find him pregame, middle of the game intermission reports, postgame, Saturdays. Basically, if you turn on the Penguins Radio Network, there's a good chance you got our good buddy Metz on there. How's it going? Uh, not not too bad. Uh, I'm just enjoying the winning all of a sudden after the losing and uh, I'll tell you it's a lot more fun to do a post game show after a win than after seven straight winless games and I'm only saying it that way because if you work with Paul Steigerwald keep this in mind you can't say it's a seven game losing streak they didn't win but they didn't lose the one game he said so it's a winless streak to me it's a seven game losing streak but anyway things are a lot better how are you boys great to be back with you it's always good to see you. It's, and for clarity, it is a losing streak. It's just easier to say that. Um, <laughs> it's just easier to say and type the words losing streak than Did it is. Did you win? No, you didn't. Yeah. Then <laughs> winless streak, here's the asterisk why. But it is much yeah. more fun having some wins to talk about than it is some losses. No doubt. Regardless, win or lose, there's always storylines to talk about with this team. There is never a shortage of storylines. That's kind of the Penguins' way. Uh, and if it's not injuries, it's a losing streak. If it's not a losing streak, it's some sort of drama with a player uh, or it's, a, it's just something crazy or it's a 1,000th game or it's a cool thing with a child of a player doing something really neat. You know, all these – there's always something, so it's pretty cool. Well, Matt, the last time I talked to you, which was on Penguins Lunch just before the season, a couple historic things, you mentioned – Longest losing streak of the Big Three era. Of course, Crosby had multiple losing streaks longer than that in his rookie season. But then also, we see Evgeny Malkin get his 1,000th game played. So, before we get into anything, I do want to ask, because we've been asking everybody we talk to, what is your favorite Evgeny Malkin moment? Boy, I, well, I think there, there's a couple here, but the, I guess my favorite is probably one you've heard a thousand times. It's got to be the Geno goal against the Carolina Hurricanes, right? I mean, when he mm-hmm. comes out from behind the net... Because from start to finish, it was just a wonderful play from Gino. He, he went full Gino Machino mode, scores the backhand goal. Cam Ward has no clue what's going on. Mike Lang's call is just one of the best of his career when you think about it. Just everything about that moment was so cool. And it was kind of like Gino, not that he needed a coming out party at that point, because everyone all knew, already knew how good he was. But the way he took over in that series, I remember watching some of the between period talk at the time and 
I think Aaron Ward may have been one of the guys. He may have actually been playing uh, in that game, but I forget who it was. They were talking about how, or they even dressed for the game, the way Evgeny Malkin was exploiting them. Keith Jones was in that intermission report, if I if I remember well, and they just kind of tore up the Carolina Hurricanes. And that one also left Paul Maurice. He was asked, I'll never forget being at a press conference somewhere in and around that, and they said, do you think he can come back in this series? And he pretty much gave one of those classic, you know, playoffs, playoffs. He said, I'm just trying to win one game. Like, he didn't believe his team was going to win a game. It was so awesome. But there's that. Then here's a, a really cool little nugget that goes with Gino. So, as you know, like the way you guys are, I follow everything so closely, even before I was covering the team, which I'd like to add is also my 17th year with Sid, Gino, and Chris Letang. Been doing this for quite a while. But I went to a draft party when they selected Evgeny Malkin, and I wasn't covering the team or anything yet. I was down on the, I think it was in the South side, maybe there was a bar Louie or something over there. And they were having a draft party with Phil Bork. Jack Riley was there and Mike Fraser from the radio station, which to make this kind of neat is I used to see Jack all the time. Then when I started covering games, I work with Borky now and Mike Fraser, I see every, every night in the hallways at the radio station, but I wasn't doing any real work. So I was having a couple of adult beverages and I was all fired up. I knew a lot about Gino and I was convincing myself that the Penguins were better off getting Evgeny Malkin instead of Alex Ovechkin, as we all did at the time. And boy, we we're not displeased with what we got. And I remember they were going around the bar, handing the microphone to people. And I got the mic, <laughs> they gave it to me to talk. And I got a chance to say a few words about the Penguins drafting of Evgeny Malkin just as a fan and, and I'm like, you people don't even know what you got coming your way. This guy could even be better than Alex Ovechkin. He's almost a full year older than Evgeny Malkin. And this guy, watch highlight reels of him on YouTube, etc. He's going to rip the NHL apart. And lo and behold, early in his career, everyone was really fired up with Gino. So that's one of my cool, fun moments because it involves some guys I get to work with now. And uh, But the, the Gino backhand goal, not to get super long-winded, <laughs> as I always do, but I wanted to tell you about that. With, with Evgeny Malkin, I mean, you mentioned he came into the league. Everybody's been talking about, oh, he had six goals in six straight games, and, and everybody's been sharing their favorite moments, so we appreciate a very personal one uh, for you, which is nice. It's nice to hear a little bit of a of a difference in these answers other than, I mean, there are, there are plenty of Malkin moments, but after a while, it's like, man, everybody loves a different one, so you hear about all of them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this guy's just done so much. And I think it was Matt Larkin um, wrote the article just yesterday talking about all the accolades that Gino has put together in his career. And some of them are otherworldly. I mean, just he's in rarefied air uh, with the one statistic that it's only him, Mario Lemieux and Bobby Orr that that have the the, the scoring titles, the MVP and the Conn Smythe trophy, which is uh, really, really kind of a neat thing. Um, and people don't give Gino credit. I don't know why he's not one of the hundred best players in the league or anything like that. And according to the NHL, which still was mind blowing, but for me, he has just been such a blessing to us. I think people have taken for people take Sid for granted sometimes, and they have certainly taken Evgeny Malkin for granted, which he is truly a generational talent, maybe the finest, if not the best Russian hockey player as a complete player of all time. When you look at the championships, what he's accomplished, scoring titles, etc. I know Ovi will have his accolades and people will root for him. Some will root for Sergei uh, Fedorov. But for me, Evgeny Malkin really is there. If you're putting the Rushmore together of NHL players that were Russian born, he's certainly on it. Yeah, yeah. You would imagine he's only the eighth Russian player to ever play a thousand NHL games. So he definitely has to be high up on that list. Uh, we talked about 
Drama. Now, this next player I want to ask you about, I don't think he's ever had any drama surrounding him. Fans certainly love him. Nothing wrong with him. And that's Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, he's, <laughs> been a, he's been a healthy scratch for the majority of November. Uh, he just showed up today on Frank Saravalli's trade bait piece. Do you think his time in Pittsburgh is coming to a close, or do you think he's going to get another chance here uh, in, the, in the coming months? Well, of course, the Penguins, being the Penguins, can't make it easy on themselves to find a way to move Kasperi Kapanen on. They'll sign him to an untradeable contract and then find a way to to do this. So, hey, why don't we hold some cash to get somebody to take him now? Because I feel like you got two options. Hold cash and move him for a draft pick or something. And someone, maybe Jim Rutherford, uh, wants to give him yet another chance. Or find another struggling player around the league with a very similar contract and say, we'll give you our struggler for your struggler and see if they can turn it around in their new environment. But yes, I do feel like he's, he's on his way to moving on right now. I mean, this guy is not, he's not lived up to the hype. They have made the mistake of now re-signing him to this deal for two years. And um, I got to tell you a quick story about that. Brian Burke told us at the Penguins radio summit, all the radio summit, uh, all the radio affiliates were there. And there he's talking to them. And one of the affiliates said, Berkey, wh- why did you guys re-sign Kasperi Kapanen? And he told an interesting story. And he said, well, we think he, he knows that he wasn't good in the past. And we think he's going to, we believe in his talent. We believe in him as a player. And then he said, guys tend to get better, which was interesting, when they have a new love in their life. And he said, Kasperi Kapanen had a new uh, girlfriend. And they thought, that would help him focus on hockey because he goes, guys, when they're dating someone new, they don't go out anymore. They're home every night. They do all these things. And maybe I'm talking out of school sharing this story, but he didn't just tell us. He told the radio affiliates. So I'm sure the story has gotten legs and spread around at this point. But I found that very intriguing that in their thinking of this player, maybe they considered that aspect, which was a new one for me uh, because I, I don't know. When you talk analytics, I think new girlfriend is probably at the top of the list of analytics at this point, right? Um, I'm just picturing Moneyball, <laughs> that scene in Moneyball where it's uh, what he says, like his girlfriend's a seven, so he's got low low morale or whatever that line was i'm <laughs> picturing those oh, this the is a beanism right it came from yeah uh, from so i'm just picturing the the money ball talk with that that's hysterical yeah i was just blown away but for me yes i think his time here is coming to a close or at the very least suck it up wave him and see if someone takes him and i know this has been written about a little bit lately but we've been talking about this wave him no one's going to take the contract i don't think so so Worst case scenario, you send him down to Wilkes, which is kind of a tough pill for him to swallow potentially because he's been an NHL player for how many years now, but maybe he can write his game because I would think at that level, he would start to light it up and be one of the best players at that level, get some confidence, get the scoring touch back a little bit, maybe learn to go to the net again because when he was younger, he used to do that. He doesn't do it often now. And for me, yes, the time is running short and I feel bad because early on this season, I felt like he was turning into more of a blue collar guy. He was doing the hard work. He was Uh, creating chances for his teammates. He was making good plays in the corner and then it just fell off a cliff again. So I think it's not that odd to see that once he started to be a healthy scratch, the team kind of turned it around a little bit because you got, and maybe not in full, but it gave them a body in place of him that maybe does more of what the team needs or something that helps the team be successful. Because unfortunately for whatever it is, Kasperi Kapanen wasn't finding ways to do that. Yeah. For, for the time that he was in the lineup, Kasperi Kapanen played on the third line. Um, what has your, been your assessment of this new third line that um, overall hasn't been phenomenal, but Brock McGinn just seems to be a linchpin recently? 
when you talk about November, um, it being, yeah. you know, the captain was in the box uh, most of November. Well, Brock McGinn, almost since the calendar flipped November one, he became uh, just another worldly player. He became Brock McGinn again. I mean, when you look at it, he is looking like the guy that he was early last season because he put together a really impressive run last year. He was, he was good in all aspects that they had him out there. They had him killing penalties. They had him out there against top lines. He didn't make many mistakes. He was chipping in offensively and he was noticeable night in and night out. And then I don't remember exactly where in the schedule last year it dropped off, but he, he just vanished and um, he wasn't a factor. And now maybe October was the same. He, he wasn't a factor during that month, but November hit, he's putting up some goals. He's shooting the puck more. And he's getting rewarded for it. I mean, that's one of the big keys with some of these guys. Maybe they try and finesse it too much. They're just throwing the puck to the net, you know, taking a slapper, letting it rip and getting rewarded. And for me, that's worked very well. But I've liked his play an awful lot on the third line. It's, I think, going to work well for a guy like Jeff Carter, having that kind of player with him. And just overall, I mean, they're, I think it will be a good line for the Penguins if McGinn continues to play at the level he's at right now. We joked on Monday's episode that Brock McGinn must have Vaseline on his stick plate because every time he shoots the puck, it just squeaks through the opponent's padding. And it's it's worked out pretty well for him in the past seven games. He has five goals. That's exactly right. I mean, and he has scored a couple of those squeakers through the five hole or a couple other things like that. I mean, where you just think a goaltender has it dead to rights and nope, it just scores through, gets in the net. And sometimes a guy gets a couple like that and it really gets him going. Because if you look back to Brock McGinn during his time in Carolina, it was it was similar. In my view, he was a guy that would everyone always he was a guy that Penguins fans. You say, boy, I wish we could have Brock McGinn in Pittsburgh. And then you don't hear his name for a few weeks because he would vanish there a little. And then people would fall in love with him again because they'd watch a game and see those little things that he does or he'd score a goal. And um, he's kind of like Staggy calls him this sometimes. He's like a mad Scotsman because he has that look. He has that apparently a Scottish heritage. And I didn't realize that. And he almost if you now that you know that. If you listen to him, there's a teeny bit of a twang in his voice that makes you think maybe that that accent is lying under the surface. And um, I just I just think he can be a really valuable player if he sticks at this level and keeps scoring goals the way he is. To move it back to the back end and, and the blue line, there have been plenty of questions, obviously so many bodies back there as well. But one player that's really started to flourish and unexpectedly is uh, P.O. Joseph. He's been given more of a responsibility as a result of that. So what are your thoughts on his performance to this point this season? I, I think he's actually he started pretty well uh, early in the season. He had a couple really good games and then he had a couple games that maybe he wasn't at that level. And he had a couple giveaways, turnovers. I still remember us talking. Um, I think it may have been one of the Borky segments I did where I didn't see the play myself because it was off camera for a road game. And Borky brought up because someone asked about POJ and he said he get, he had a, a terrible play away from the puck and it, it caused a problem for the team. And he was looking to the heavens. He was like overthinking it himself. Well, those things happen from time to time before he got that injury where he was out of the game or out of the lineup for a little while. Since he's been back, I think he's been solid as a rock. I mean, he's not made a lot of mistakes. He's not turning the puck over uh, in those moments where he maybe once was. And I like his ability to jump into the, into the play. And sometimes he just can be that extra late coming man to create some offense for the club. And so 
maybe there are people that are still hungering for Ty Smith to get here, which I'd love to see him with this group of forwards. But if you can get solid NHL minutes out of Pierre Olivier Joseph and have him perform at this level, I, I think at least in the short term, it's worth sticking with this. And maybe it's a good thing that they didn't find a taker for him because the rumors were such that, and I think Nick, when we talked in the preseason, those rumors were all over the place that they were trying to trade uh, POJ. They didn't find the appropriate deal. He's here. He's he kind of got the job because of the way the lineup worked out. And maybe they're happy about that now because they think he is, he's looked like a really solid player for them. Uh, and, and that's a good thing because that allowed them the flexibility to flip Brian Dumoulin around the lineup a little bit like they've been able to do to help him. If you weren't having the confidence level in POJ, maybe Mike Sullivan's not putting Dumo a couple times on the third pairing to start a night or something like that. So uh, I, I think as a group, that helped everyone. Yeah, and speaking of more lineup changes that Mike Sullivan has made just today in practice, uh, Jeff Petrie was pushed up to the first power play unit. I mean, what is what can be done to help this power play out and improve just at all. I mean, is there anything that can be done aside from literally just shooting the puck more, or is it just that simple? Like, does this little lineup change help in anything? I think it will help in terms of getting shots to the net. Uh, because if you look, I, and I didn't look after the last game, but uh, two games ago, I think it was Latang had eight power play shots on the season. And that was after the night in which he put up two and scored a goal. Uh, because prior to that, going into that game, he had six through like 15 games or something. And it's, that's unheard of. If you are going to be the quarterback of this power play, that guy needs to shoot the puck. And Latang usually, he broke that habit. Years ago, he didn't shoot enough. Now he shoots a little bit more. In recent years, I'm talking about. This season, he just was so reluctant to do so. And I thought for sure when he scored the goal, it would get him going on the power play. And then they had a little bit of a rough power play night again uh, after that. So I think you put Petrie in position. He's not afraid to shoot the puck. We know he has quarterback power plays. The number two power play unit early this season at times was neck and neck, if not better than the number one unit. And I think Petrie was a big part to do with that because of his ability to get pucks to the net. It opened some lanes and then it, it let Jason Zucker have some lanes to shoot when he scored that power play goal early in the season. Uh, so I think having Petrie back there, he can distribute well. He can shoot the puck at least for a little while. I think that will help the cause in helping uh, that power play get itself going. And I'll be curious to see how he meshes in game settings with this group of uh, number one forwards that he typically has out there on the power play. And then maybe Latang, if he's playing with, not that they're lesser players, but the quote unquote number twos, maybe he will shoot the puck a little bit more and you can get him going if he's out there doing that. And then you can make the swap back. The only oddball thing about this switch now is I felt that Latang turned that little bit of a corner just a game or two ago. And maybe you should have made this change a week or a week or two ago, but maybe uh, Sully thinks that now's the time to do it. So I will be curious to see. And I think that's the biggest thing that will, will help is him shooting the puck. And the rest of it needs to be simplified. Shoot, get traffic in front. And if you don't score off the shot, you're going to get a rebound opportunity usually. And if your bodies are there, you can chip those pucks in. Stay easy. Just keep it simple. So we're going to step away from hockey a little bit here because we have Brian Metzler on. It's just what we always do. We have other <laughs> things to ask him now. Um, but as the year of 2022 draws to a close, Brian, I just want to ask you, yeah. this will be the music question. Um, what has been your favorite album show or even just a new artist you discovered this year? Because I found Turnstile this year and they're life changing. Yeah, they're good. I, I'm trying to think if there's somebody new I discovered this year. I will say, and this is going to be corny, but one of the best shows that I saw all year was probably the uh, the stadium tour with 
the hair bands coming back through only because I had been waiting for it for so long. And to finally, you know, finally see that happen. And in that setting with first Joan Jett kicking it off, then Poison and Brett Michaels. I mean, there was a hometown vibe just because of Brett and me hailing from Butler originally and all that kind of stuff. And then of course, seeing Motley Crue reunited and Def Leppard is always good. The only issue I had with it was they put an acoustic set in the middle again, like they all, they tend to do at this point. And that's fine. And they sound great. It's note perfect. But this, the room's energy was through the roof for the building, you know, the, at the uh, uh, PNC Park. And it kind of mellowed. It mellowed the vibe. And I don't know that we needed a mellow vibe in that moment. People, I saw people going for their drinks and everything during that. So uh, that was a big one. Uh, got to see Ghost again this year, which is always one of our favorites. And did our meet and greet with Tobias Forge slash Papa Emeritus. And I've uh, been lucky enough to see them... I don't know, almost a dozen times now, dating back to 2012, whenever they were an opener for Mastodon and now they headline arenas. So that's kind of interesting. But um, yeah, I've had a lot of fun with that. And uh, I think there's still a little bit of time here in terms of squeezing shows in. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, and and Nick Horwat will know this. You may even have to be down there. You got Amon Amarth coming with a great group of death metal bands in front of them. There's carcass and obituary uh, opening up. So I might be in attendance that night. I haven't made it the determinant. Sorry, I can't even talk the determination yet because there's so many penguins games in and around that 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 is one free night that would be tough to give up. But I I would say that. And in terms of a new band, if I think of it here, well, before we sign off, I'll throw it out, but I, I can't say I discovered a new band this year that did it for me, but there's been a lot of really good music in the year 2022. Yeah, there has been. Well, we, we can't let you leave without the question of the week. And the question of the week is, because it's Thanksgiving week, what is your favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Ooh. I mean, it's a, a standard, but you got to love mashed potatoes. Uh, you know, it's not an oddball. It's not an out, off, outlier. I like it. I like mashed. Pumpkin pie I enjoy as well. So it's kind of a toss-up, but one's a dessert. So you're talking true meal mm. I think it's I think it's got to be the mashed potatoes because everybody fills their plate with at least a scoop or something of all the main dishes to start with. Usually, if I'm thinking of how I eat my Thanksgiving dinner, the thing I go back for a second scoop is definitely the mashed. Me and Mets on the same page, Horwat. How how do you like that? Right, more stuffing for me, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't get me wrong, I am a stuffing aficionado. I mean, carbs are great, right? Yeah. <laughs> In general. Absolutely. But also yeah, it, Another big question though is which kind of cranberry sauce do you like? The 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 jellied kind that's just still has the outlines of the can on it, or do you like actual cranberry sauce? The only cranberries I ever really cared for were the band. Uh, over the years, <laughs> I used to like. <laughs> I'll go with that. Uh, but if I was choosing, I guess it's probably the canned stuff. But it's not. It could be sitting on my table, and I might take a little bite. I, I'm, I guess canned because it's easy, but it's not my favorite thing. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, we are joined by Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network. Before we let you go, one last question. We're about a quarter of the way through the Penguins season. What is something you think this team needs moving forward, whether it be another piece or whether it be just fixing a certain area? Uh, before Teddy Bluger returned, I would have said a a forward for the bottom six, somebody that could play on the fourth line and, and maybe be a little bit more difficult to play against, who still had the ability to maybe chip in a goal from time to time because there were nights where if the top guys weren't able to contribute, the team would not score <laughs> and they would go games without being able to score. I think they averaged over the seven game losing streak, uh, one and a half goals or something, which is very un-Penguins-esque. So whenever you have that, 
I think that was key. But now that he's back, I still think you could you can't go wrong with a middle six forward. Um, they have plenty of defensemen to draw upon. I mean, that still might come up. They're harder to get, though. I think you could find a diamond in the rough, middle six forward to come in, bring a little toughness, uh, kill some penalties because that's still a bugaboo. But Bluger may help. Again, he may help that, but can score a, a timely goal or two. So that's where I'm going for right now. He is Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian underscore Metzer. Thank you once again for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you to both Knicks. It's always great to be here with you. I appreciate you having me back on, and, and let's do it again soon. thank you goes out to Brian Metzer. We always love having him on the show. If you loved listening to Metz on our show just now, don't forget, we also talked to him on Penguins Lunch right before the season. Go back and check out that episode, but huge thank you to him. We hope he has a lovely Thanksgiving with his family. We hope you're having a lovely Thanksgiving with your family. And before we go, we did want to say there are two games coming up this weekend for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Philadelphia Flyers, first matchup of the season. And Toronto Maple Leafs, third matchup of the month. One of these teams is in our division, and it's not the Maple Leafs, which uh, interesting scheduling issue there. But no, Horowat, let's start with the Philadelphia Flyers. It's coming up on Black Friday at 5.30. I think it's like a Thanksgiving showdown or something like that. What do you think about this matchup? Pens at the Flyers. Listen, it doesn't matter how good or bad the Flyers are <clears throat> or how good or bad the Penguins are. We talked about this before. It's always a tough matchup. Mm. Always doesn't matter if the Flyers are basement dwellers, which they are not at the moment. Give them a cup, give them a little time. Yeah. But it's also a John Tortorella Philadelphia Flyers now. <laughs> so it's going to be one of those matchups. Yes. John Tortorella against the Penguins is always entertaining. Um, but I like the Penguins' chances. You have to, right? The, pe- the Flyers are just bad, and they're supposed to be. So, yeah, it's always a tight matchup, and it might still be close. Mm-hmm. I just like the Penguins' chances. They're... Flyers are playing without Couturier. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like Van Riemsdyk might still be out. Um, Cam Atkinson, that's losing him's not good. So, I mean, again, who knows if all those uh, lineup decisions are set in stone, but for mm-hmm. now, they're leaning on Travis Konechny and Kevin Hayes, who, Konechny's fine, he's still young, Got has to grow into his... Got to grow into the orange and black a little more still, even though he's pretty much there. <clears throat> and I've always thought Kevin Hayes is overrated. So, you know, I think it's going to be a close matchup, but I'm going to give the Penguins the edges I always do. Yep, you're going to give the Penguins the win in that one. Do you have a score prediction? Uh, how's, uh, I forgot to mention Carter Hart. How's Carter Hart been looking this Carter season? Hart's been one of the best goalies. Actually, he has been the best goalie of the year so far. Damn, that's... Yeah. That's the only reason they're not in the basement is because Carter Hart has been the best goaltender in the National Hockey League. 6-3-4 and four with a 9-22 and 2.65. Yeah. And no defense in front of him. Oof. Yeah. That's You're why right. he has so many goals saved above expected. It's because they're expected to score 18 goals a game. Yeah, I'd say. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say Carter Hart shuts us down a little bit, but we, we know ways around them. We've mm-hmm. done it before, so... I'll extend it a little bit and say it's a four to something victory. Mm-hmm. Four to something? Four to something.
Four to something. I like it. Well, listen, with the Pittsburgh Penguins, it's been a roller coaster of a season, but one thing they are still undefeated in is divisional play. 2-0, beat the Blue Jackets on the road, beat the Caps on the road. Eventually, they'll play a divisional team at home. I, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time, but uh, I think they do go out there and win. I honestly, I don't know if it's the, the holiday season. I don't know if the vibes are just immaculate right now, but I'm thinking they win 5-1. to one. Oh, I think okay. they light up Carter Hart. I think that defense is bad. Anytime the head coach, I know it's John Tortorella, and you almost expect it from him at this point. Anytime the head coach goes on national television in the middle of the game and says, yeah, we suck. Um, we're bad. We're not good. Playing playing horrible. You know, it's it's John Tortorella, so it's half expected, but, you know, he's not wrong. He, he's certainly not wrong in that aspect. So uh, we both have the Penguins taking down the Flyers at Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. The other game, third game in three weeks between the Penguins and the Toronto Maple Leafs. This one back at PPG Paints Arena. Series tied at one. Who wins this rubber match, Horwat? I bet the Penguins do. Mm. I, I don't... We, you, you say that the Penguins always get the big blowout victory against the Leafs early in the season at home. They didn't get it last time. But they were they they were still trying to, you know, iron out the flaws that they had. Um, I think now that the the flaws have been pretty close to ironed out, they're getting there, mm-hmm. and that uh, they'd be coming off of hopefully a pretty stout victory against the Flyers. The little bit of extra rest on the back to back. It's a five thirty game going into a seven. Um, perhaps they put something together and get that big blowout victory. I, don't, I doubt it'll be a blowout victory, but. I mean, I looked at it before. Mitch Marner is always going to get an assist against the Penguins. He always does well. Mm-hmm. We seem to find ways to shut down Austin Matthews, though. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah, he's getting he's got a couple of goals here and there. He's like, I think he's like a half a point per game against the against the Penguins. That's not what he normally is against most teams. Mm-hmm. So if we're able to continue that sort of trend and continue shutting down Austin Matthews, I can see the Penguins taking taking this rubber match and. Looking good doing it again. It'll probably probably be to Smith and Net, but you know what? He looked good in his last outing, so I think I'll give the Penguins an edge there. Do I have a score? No, I don't, because I never do. That's fine. We don't have to. We we, we can stop doing scores because we're honestly. I'm not keeping track of that. I'm I'm struggling. I'm struggling to remember to keep track of our actual predictions. But I'll say the Penguins since I said they're gonna win on Wednesday and I said they're going to win on Friday at that point they would be on a five game heater the Toronto Maple Leafs are a tough team and for the sake of being different Horwat, I hate to always agree with you so I'm going to say that the Penguins uh the Penguins lose this one although I do think it'll be close I do think they're going to play a good game uh so I'll say that they lose this one score prediction two to one I think it's a great game uh for Tristan Jari or Casey DeSmith Whoever's in net, I think the Penguins play well defensively. So that's going to do it for this episode. One last thank you to Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network. And a happy Thanksgiving to all. And we hope that you all have a good day. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Horwat. I haven't thank said you. that. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you. But uh, we will be back next week talking about these games that we just broke down and hoping for a Penguins six-game heater. 